and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, D-Generation X. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? What are you doing? I, Just I, say I, welcome to the Squash Match Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Squash Match Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, P. And uh, I am Smirks. And uh, we're doing this podcast for a couple reasons. This is our first one, but... Uh, Basically, I used to be really into wrestling, and the past couple years kind of wore me out. But uh, P here has stayed true to the to the brand and has followed it along, so he is going to work me back into the fold and uh, get me back into this. You know, I like to think of myself as an OG of pro wrestling, if you will. I feel like I've been around the game for a very long time. I've seen the trends come and go. And uh, what we're hoping to do is kind of share some of our deep insight with it, as, as well as getting Smirks back on track here. Uh, Smirks, tell the people what you did for the first time in a long time last night. Last night, for the first time in a long time, I resubscribed to the WWE Network, got my free month, and uh, watched Elimination Chamber pay-per-view for the first time in a long, long time. So, Hunter... Steph, Vince, <clears throat> if you're out there listening, uh, this man is helping keep you guys afloat. So if you ever want to pay that back and, and jump on the Squash Match podcast, we'd be down for that. Very much so. Very much so. And apparently lately by looking at the news, I'm one of the few that's still keeping them afloat right now. Uh, this is true. This is true. I don't think the numbers are exactly what they anticipated at this point in time. But we'll get into that first. Happy President's Day. Yeah, to our yeah. one and only president. Jack Tooney. Yeah, Jack, Jack <laughs> Tooney is, is hands down the only wrestling president you need to know. And uh, what better way to celebrate our first podcast than on President's Day with a WWF icon, President Jack Tooney. Long, how long ago was that? 80s or early 90s? Yeah, no, that was definitely the 80s. He, he came from Canada. He was part of like uh, Maple Leaf Wrestling and Calgary Wrestling Association. And, you know, when Vince went and bought up all those territories, he kind of owned his rights and they brought him in and he wasn't really a wrestler and all this stuff. And they were like, hey, you want to be uh, the president of, of WWF? And, you know, obviously it was only a stage moniker, but uh, he had some great great vignettes and they always would cut to him and they're like let's see what the president of wwf has to say and he would be like well uh in this match the junkyard dog cannot use his chain and everyone like ah the president spoke (laughs) that's even that's going back for my time i mean i was born in 85 and he was uh Right at the start of WWF, so that's what, 83, 84 Well, yeah, I mean, let's look at it this way. He's basically your president. That is true. You know? I, I was born under him. Yeah, I, I remember uh, being able to vote for him. <laughs> <laughs> that, was my, that was the first vote that I ever cast. I remember him uh, in the 90s when I first started watching. Uh, I think it was, it was King of the Ring, I think. Yep. When he put yep. uh, Brett in it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he was still around then. And, and, and of course, you know, like like most wrestlers, he's, uh, he's passed away now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's why we celebrate today. That's why today's actually a national holiday. Uh, it's a national holiday for President Jack Tunney. So regardless I, of what I, you see on the news or anything like that, 
he is the sole reason behind it. 100%. I mean, I think if we could go back to history, if our forefathers could look at the future, I think Lincoln and Washington would be looking up to Tunney, you know, not the other way around. Yeah, no, I I 100% agree. I mean, there's a you know, there's there's all that controversy about rock, you know, Mount Rushmore and who's on it and who should be on it. Um, I'm not going to delve into it, but I'm just going to say that I think somewhere maybe at the base of Mount Rushmore there should be a little kiosk that sells Jack Tunney bobbleheads. I agree 100%, and because you said it here, I think we get a 10% cut of whoever does that. Hands down. Hands down. Uh feel free to broadcast and uh, solicit listeners on our network uh, for your Jack Tunney bobblehead. Uh, so, Smirks, let's get into the weekly recap, yeah? All right, definitely, definitely. So, Elimination got, Chamber last night, right? Yeah. That's a, that's a, you know, it's not a big four pay-per-view, but, you know, I'm putting it up there at the second-tier level. It's, it's getting there. I mean, um, I, I find it way more entertaining than a lot of the other pay-per-views. Um, it's got a gimmick. It does well. We'll get into gimmicks a little bit later on, but I think the elimination chamber gimmick is, uh, it's kind of a bastardization of, they took a little bit of the Royal rumble idea, a little bit of the hell in the cell and threw it together and it, it works. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not mad at it. Um, I actually like the pay-per-view. Um, I could probably Here's one of the things that bothered me last night, and, and we'll get into everything, but here's one of the little things. I don't know if you noticed this. So they gave Randy Orton the last spot, right? Yeah. And so I don't like that because there's only so much drama to go into the Elimination Chamber with because you only have four guys in the pods. Yeah. And, and when you – Real quick, real quick yeah. side note. With only four guys in the pod, how does it take that long for intros? I literally went, put my kids to bed, went to the bathroom, did like three other things, came back. They're still doing intros. Yeah. Well, because everyone has to go around and inspect the pods and grimace and, and, and you know, give a mad face to the person that's in the pod already and then check their pod and check the, the, the cage and, and, and all that stuff. Um, so so that, that takes me out a little bit because they got to Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton at the end, and AJ Styles is in the ring looking around, and they still have the blue light going on top back and forth when we know it's Jeff Hardy coming out. Because they've told us for weeks that Randy Orton got the last spot. So again, yeah. it's it's you know it's the E, it's the WWE um, placating to the stupid people out there, to, to the non-smart wrestlers, the non-smarks, and, uh, and, and I don't like that. Give me a little bit more credit. Yeah. Like, you have advertised this. You don't need to spend another, you know, five seconds showing us, ooh, who's coming next? We right. know who's coming next. You've told us who's coming next. Right. Why do we need to do this? Exactly. Exactly. But let's, start, let's start at the beginning of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> first match with uh, Buddy Murphy. Yep. He has just, time and time again, proven himself. I, I am, since I stopped watching and started now again, 205 is new to me. Okay. Um, I, such an entertaining match. How is that on the pre-show? How okay. is that not on one of the later matches instead of, you know, the, the strong match? Uh, like, there's, there's so much more that could be done and much more entertaining wrestling. I think that's where we're missing it a lot right now is the wrestling 
we have such good wrestlers in the WWE now, but a lot of times they're thrown on the pre-show. They're thrown on these short little matches that could tell a story, but instead are just boom and gone. Yeah, let's let's let the people know. 205 Live, if you're not you know a diehard fan, is a show dedicated to basically your high flyers, like the WCW Cruiserweights, and it's supposed to be people that are 205 pounds and under, designating the fact that they should be high flyers because they are so quote-unquote light. Now, you have guys like Finn Balor, who weighs about a buck ninety on the main show, but for the most part, you've got all these general high flyers. So here, here's the deal. Um, I don't even watch 205 Live. Okay, I have the network. I know what happens because I read the dirt sheet and stuff, but I don't even watch it because it's, it's great wrestling on top of so many hours already. You know, and, and I yeah. think that's one of their biggest problems, and I don't want to go too much into it, but there's just too much out there. So yeah. I love the fact that 205 has its own show, and I think it's so much better <clears throat> than when they were on Raw and they would go out and change the ring ropes, and then the 205 guys would come out. But you're 100% right. You've got, I would argue, some of the best actual technical wrestlers in the last decade on Raw, on SmackDown, on NXT, on 205 Live, NXT UK, and you're throwing these guys on, let's call it, quote-unquote, the pre-show, right? The first hour of the pay-per-views, which now starts at 7 as opposed to 8. So, the one thing that I like about the network is that I don't necessarily have to watch it live. So, I missed yeah. the whole first hour uh, recording my other podcast, Leave the Pin In, last night, right? I come down, my wife and my kids tell me what happened, and I go, eh, okay. I didn't get to see the Uso match. So, you know what? I watched the Uso match this morning. Yeah. You know, and I like that. Yeah. But you're 100% right. Buddy Murphy has carried that brand. Um there have been some other guys that have moved from it, like Grand Metalik is now with Lucha House Party. Um, you've got guys like Sankara that are in there. Uh, you've got some but guy. Is there, explain to me, is there transition between 205 and the main roster? Like you said, Balor, he's obviously <laughs> under 205. Uh, Daniel Bryan is probably right around there. How, like, how can these guys, can Buddy Murphy move to the quote-unquote main roster and leave 205 behind or once he's in there is he just in there yeah so like i guess they could but you know it's what it's it's all what grandfather vince wants you know grand and grandpa vince wants a 205 live champ so if this guy is the 205 live champ you know he's not going anywhere and you look at balor he's a draw you look at daniel bryan he's a draw and you know a guy that's not an enormous size but it's almost like if you get put on 205 live the stigmata is you're a lightweight, you will always be a lightweight, and you're never going to move up. So it's like if they put you there in the beginning, you're almost you know, pigeonholed into being a guy that's a spot monkey and just jumps around and doesn't really have any storylines. So when Ricochet comes up, is he going 205? No. No way. Ricochet's a draw. No way at all. Neither, ne- neither is Adam Cole. They're going straight main roster. Even though every single one of those guys is technically, if you will, under 205 pounds. And you want to talk about doing less story and more spots. I mean, that is Ricochet. Without a doubt. Without yeah. a doubt. Although, as we've seen in NXT, he can actually carry some storylines. Um, yeah, so I like... I ha- go ahead. 
I, I haven't I haven't got into NXT yet. I mean, I used to watch back in the day. Um, just started the last weekly one last week. Uh, watched Phoenix the Takeover, but uh, haven't gotten into the storylines yet, so I don't really know what's going on there. But uh, that's what I'm actually more excited about than a lot of the others, just because it's digestible. I got two kids, I got a job, right? I can't, you know, five hours of Raw and SmackDown plus then two hundred five plus NXT. Like you were saying, it's just a lot to a lot to do in the week. Yeah, who has nine hours a week? And then let's be honest, like we're not just going to talk about you know WWE because in my no. opinion, the best wrestling is outside the WWE. The best storylines are outside the WWE. So if you want to go and with, out, a, with AEW uh, coming, forget it, forget it. It's I, I be, yeah. Look, I told my wife. I said if after the first AEW pay per view, if it is that good then I'm canceling the WWE Network and I'm just going to get the AEW pay-per-views. And guess what? Half of my favorite wrestlers are signed to AEW. And the other half might be signed soon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, so there's there's a lot. I mean, to get back on topic with, with Buddy Murphy, um, yeah, the guy definitely deserves a push. I mean, I would love, now that Finn Balor's the IC champ, um, spoiler alert if you didn't watch last night, I mean, how amazing would it be to have Buddy Murphy come up and, and run a storyline that, hey, I'm, I'm disrespected. I'm, I'm a bigger dude than you. I'm stronger than you. you know, I weigh more than you. You're a little man. I should be the IC champ. And you go belt for belt at Mania with Finn and Buddy Murphy. Give him an actual storyline to carry. That'd be great. Right? Finn makes... Be, uh, Finn it's makes, compelling. It puts the, the championships uh, out there, and it elevates... The 205 championship as well. Without a doubt. It's just like when Kevin Owens came on uh, the main roster with the NXT with the belt. NXT I mean, that was phenomenal. So let's, I agree. let's get something going that, that puts Finn in a great spot. Uh, you have Buddy Murphy, let's say, get the better of him throughout. And we finally get Demon Balor because everyone's seeing him week after week backstage. And they're going, hey, man, like... You know, tough loss again to the little dude on 205. Maybe you just don't have it in you anymore, little buddy. And Finn comes out, you know, wreaking all havoc and, and summoning Hell's Demons at WrestleMania as the Demon Balor. Yeah. So, again, if you yeah, want I mean, that's a That's a big storyline to push in what? What do we have, like seven weeks till Mania? We do, but we still have another pay-per-view. We've got Fastlane before it. So, there, there, there's enough. There's enough time. I mean, that's if they don't want to spend the, the first hour of every show with Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to be with Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. Uh, <clears throat> well, let's move on to the women's then, since, since you just brought up uh, Becky and Ronda. Let's talk about the women's tag. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited there's a women's tag. Uh, I'm not always the most uh, on board with all the women's matches. I grew up in the Attitude Era where women's matches were not what they are now. Right. Now they're starting to finally, like, actually wrestle and not be looked at as just, you know, decoration. Right. Um, I really think that Sasha and Bailey being given the straps is a, uh, from what I've read on the dirt sheets, because even though I haven't been watching, of course, you know, once a wrestling fan, I was a wrestling fan. I'm still reading dirt sheets every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, their booking was awful over the last year, and I feel like this is Vince being like, I screwed up. I should have booked you guys better. You guys both deserve better than you've gotten. Here, you guys can be the inaugural women's tags. 
Do you, do you think it's that, or do you think it's just Vince placating to, you know, what's going on in the world nowadays, and him saying, well, you know what, with the quality and the women's evolution and the women's revolution, let's give him tag champs. How 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 long is it going to take, Smirks, until you know they're relegated to the to the B card and they're relegated to the the pre-show and and no one cares anymore about the women's tag team champs. Well, it depends if they continue to have you know matches that the like the four horsewomen are capable of doing, then they'll stay there. But if they digress back into you know hair pulling and uh, all that, it's going to go away real quick. And the problem is there's a handful of girls that can wrestle at that level. And now we're split between two champion, two female championships, one female tag championship. And it's, you know, that's a lot of belts to go around for not as much of the talent level, you right. know? Right. Give me uh, off the top of your head. Give me your top three female wrestlers in the WWE right now. In my opinion, yeah. uh, I'm definitely going uh, Sasha Banks. Okay. Uh, I know. I know that you're going to go Charlotte. Uh, yeah. I just don't. I don't love Charlotte. Um, I love Charlotte as a monster heel. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely got the physicality and everything. It's just I like. Uh, I don't know. There's something about her. Uh, I think she leans into, and I get that a lot of people love this, but she leans into the my dad Ric Flair a little too much. I wish she developed a little bit more of herself rather than a little bit of I'm Ric Flair's daughter. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, is she Charlotte Flair though? Without you know being Ric Flair's daughter, like I don't, you know, what's what's her gimmick? Her gimmick is that she is his daughter. Yeah, you know what else is there? Um. But as far as the, uh, the only one that I absolutely cannot stand, but I get why she's booked, uh, I just cannot stand Nia Jax. is like with her and uh you know tamina um i love naya as like this force but like look i'm not into her theme music i'm not into her outfits i'm not into her character one bit whatsoever you know hell i'm not even into the women's tag team championship i don't care i'm not gonna watch yeah. it. i fast forward it you know just like when there's yeah. some, somebody on that i don't like i fast forward it doesn't matter to me uh, but, but for, for me for females it would be uh sasha banks uh, Bailey and Alexa Bliss. Okay. What about you? Uh, it was obviously Alexa Bliss is the top of my list. She does everything. You know, obviously she's phenomenal looking. She's got the best mic skills in WWE now, and and she can go in the ring. Um, yeah. I actually like Ruby Riot. I like that they're kind of maybe pushing her towards that hardcore brawler, and there's not enough women that do that. Um, yeah. And then obviously sheer athleticism is is Charlotte Flair. You know, I'm yeah. not I, – I don't get the whole Becky thing. I mean I do get it. They're doing the same thing they did with Daniel Bryan three years ago or two years ago in, in New Orleans, you know. Uh, yeah. He's the underdog. She's the underdog. I, I, you know, I get it. Um, I mean I can't stand 
Ronda Rousey. I don't. I well, I'll get into that later. But uh, yeah, I can't stand Rousey. She's horrible on the mic. Um, she needs to have a ballet, much like. I mean, I don't know if it's with everybody that comes over from the UFC, but uh, Brock needs Paul Heyman. He would not be any good without Paul Heyman. Right. Ronda needs somebody with her. Yeah, do not give her the mic until she has enough time to learn how to be on the mic. Yep. Yep. All right, so go ahead. With the tag uh, elimination chamber, it made me thinking, who would be, in your opinion, the worst person to be stuck in one of those pods with waiting for your turn. If you were a wrestler, who would you absolutely not want to be in a pod with as your tag partner? It has to be a female? No, it could no male. It could be male, it could be female, oh, it could be Dude, whoever. that's that's easy. Yokozuna. See, I, I was gonna go, you know, Yokozuna Rikishi just because of the sheer size of it. Rikishi's not even but half the size of Yokozuna. I am talking about, in my mind, the same reason that if I ever went to a local show and this guy showed up, I would leave. If you put me in a pod with New Jack, I, I would question if I'm going to live or die. Nah, I do I, not I would... know. To this day, I've watched wrestling for years and years. I think he is actually insane and might try to kill me if I was in a pod with him. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, like cracked out New Jack or just like, you know, like uh, hardcore. Is there any Jack? other? Well, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, of course there is. You know, it's not like he was cracked out of his mind every single night. Dude, when he threw, I forget who it was, off the scaffolding and almost killed the man. Yeah. It was the most, you know, or the mass transit incident. Yeah. I, I don't need to be in a pod with him. No, I, I mean, I mean, you, I think you're scared over nothing. It's, it's fake, right? It's not real. It's fake. Uh, yeah, tell that to the <clears throat> kid who almost bled out from his head. That, it, 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 it's all fake. That's what you always need to You always need to remember that it's just it's fake. Yeah, I, I would go in with somebody that was grossly and morbidly obese and would not leave much room for me inside the pod. What about what about just giant and probably smells like a George animal feel? Nah, that uh, nah. George wasn't that big. I I met George animal steel before. He wasn't that big. Really? He was a nice guy. He was a math teacher. Huh? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going gro- right. grossly obese. All right. All okay. right. Now, uh, all right, let's keep going with the tag. Yeah, so, uh, so he, he, I mean, give me your thoughts on this, dude. The, the Usos win the belt over, you know, the greatest tag team in the world, Shane and the Miz, and literally the day before, the day before, I don't know if it's Jimmy or it's Jay. They're the same person to me. Jimmy. Jimmy is arrested for basically verbal assault on a police officer. Yeah. And the dude uh, is now getting the belt at Elimination Chamber? What I read is he actually, like, started to square up with the police officer. Uh, hey, and, ma- uh, maybe he thought the police officer was the big boss man. He might have. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't get it. Um, I-, I don't get the booking. Um, if you're, you know, okay, let's be honest. It's 2019. Kayfabe is pretty much dead. Wait, it is? Um, but you can take, you know, real-world stories. And blend it into kayfabe, which makes it even better. So you're questioning what's real, what's not real. Which they have done numerous times in the past successfully. And taking this, if they would have done a big swerve with, you know, the Usos just doing some mega heelish things that in order to win the belt, they still get the belt. But now you 
except that, you know, Jimmy Uso is this, you know, guy who would try to square up with police, who would, you know, have this attitude. Instead, they're just like, I, I think the WWE statement was, uh, he is responsible for his own actions. And that's all they said about it. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's stupid because, look, their gimmick is welcome to the Uso penitentiary. Their gimmick is literally that they're inmates. And he was half a step away from being a real-life inmate. Play it up. To that. Either A, come out and, you know, if Titus O'Neil can get suspended a couple years ago for, like, what, patting Vince on the back? Yep. Then uh, why is either Uso not being suspended for this? Or why are they not leaning into it and making it part of the storyline? Exactly. Yeah, I, but, I mean, I don't, I don't have much to say about that. I'm glad. Look, I love the Miz. I, I think he is. Um, I, I, when I started watching him, I hated him, and for the you know, uh, like X Pac heat hate, and now I hate him for all the right reasons. He yeah. is the best as a natural heel. Just his arrogance, his cockiness, it all comes through. That promo he cut with Daniel Bryan a couple years ago on SmackDown Live, just, he is so natural at making you dislike him. In-ring worker, not great. Right. But makes you care so much. And I've grown to be a huge Miz fan just because of how he carries himself and how he acts. Now, look, the dude is phenomenal. He does everything from promotion outside of the company to movies, to mic work, to ring work, and, you know, people people complained a ton when he was in the main event at WrestleMania, um, and looking back at it, I can definitely say that that the guy 100% deserved to be there. Um, that I didn't like that tag team put together in the first place anyway. I thought it was shoddy. I thought it was, you know, kind of last minute, but... It seemed very last minute. Yeah, I mean, and, and look, I'm, I'm happy. I'm cool with the Usos. I love their new gimmick. I love them not being the, the uh, highlight face paint guys. So I'm, I'm good with that. Um, you had a problem with, with Balor last night winning. I loved Balor winning, but I think you had a problem with the way he did it, correct? Yes, yes. Like, okay, the Intercontinental Championship is the wrestler's championship. I mean, going back in history, we can look at it, and that belt – has always been, well, not always, lately it's really gone down, but in history, it's always been the belt that the true wrestlers really are, are vying over, you know? Right, except um, for the Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. And I looked at last night, and the way he won, like, why not put him over in a strong way? He didn't win over the champion. And that's what, that's what I don't like, and that's what, you know, with you know, triple threat matches with, you know, four-way matches, anything like that. When you have the person not win over the champion, like when they win over, you know, person C instead of the champion, it just looks weak. It's a weak way to win instead of, you know, making them the ultimate champion. And I get maybe they're running a storyline into uh, Mania with this, but, I just feel like he should have been booked way stronger and the finish should have been stronger than it was. Yeah, I think the thing is we got to wait till tonight. We got to wait to see what happens on Raw. Um, I don't necessarily mind uh, Bobby Lashley losing the way he did because I, I as, as far as Bobby Lashley being a giant, he is. I mean, the dude's jacked out of his mind. 
Um, and he looks like a legitimate IC champ, but I don't buy him as the IC champ. There was no storyline built up for that. I can't stand Leo Rush as his hype man, although I did kind of buy into it a little bit more at the end because he was so annoying. But um, I'm cool with Lashley losing. I'm cool if they're going to do something where Lashley is now going to feud with Leo Rush, but then Leo Rush like calls up a few buddies from 205 Live and a few guys get the rub over Lashley at Mania, but then Lashley comes out during the Strowman match. You know, so it's like yeah. where I, I I'm I just I don't see a clear path. And I and I don't think they do either. I think what they see is, well, here's a big giant. Let's get three big giants together to fight another big giant, and Vince will be happy. Yep. So yep. but 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 I will say that I am more than happy with a belt on Balor. A hundred percent. I don't care how oh. he gets it. He needs a belt on he, him. I agree one hundred percent. Because it's been too long. Yeah, yeah. And now let, let's just keep moving along. Yeah. What, like, okay, so I'm watching, and Lacey Evans comes. Her music hits. She comes walking out. She does. And I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on here? Walks, turns around, walks back. No promo was cut. Nothing. Like, when did wrestling turn into a fashion show where they're doing catwalks? Doesn't even make it to the ring. I I just was, I I don't know, was it, what happened there? Do you think that was intentional? Do you think there was, was there problems? Like, what was the reason for that? They had to have a plan besides just, let's send her out and then have her walk back. So, honestly, part of me thinks that they were going to throw a filler match in. They realized how out of time they were, although the pay-per-view ended relatively early. It ended like 10.25 last night. Um, I actually, uh, it, it ended, and the uh, Mark Henry thing started, and I was like, wait, it's over already? You know, like, I, I'm used to, lately, it feels like every time I watch one, it goes till, I mean, granted, the past two years, I've really only watched Mania and the Rumble. And they're going until, like, freaking 1 a.m., it feels like. Yeah, well, the and thing is, now with the 7 o'clock start time, you get things lasting about three, three and a half hours. I can deal with that. Oh, I like 100%. that way better than the, you know, what is it, like, 20 hours of WrestleMania now? Uh, j- just the best, like 18 and a half. But, I mean, you're over-exaggerating <laughs> a little bit, you know. But, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so so that was that a problem. Was now, now here, here's the deal. So I go online, read the dirt sheets this morning, and then I see Lacey Evans' Twitter account. And she posts that, you know, basically something like, you know, wasn't it great seeing me last night? Would you think I was just going to sit in the back and not do anything? I'm always going to make an appearance like, hey, nasties. Um, To me, that seems like they realized they messed up and they had to try to spin it some way. So now they're going to spin it as, hey, Lacey Evans does what she wants. Like, she's a real lady. Like, she's going to show all y'all out there how a real lady from the South acts. You know what I hate about her? She's got a fake Southern accent. I know a real Southern accent. She's got a fake one. They also bill her as being from Paris Island, South Carolina. Smirks, you ever been to Paris Island, South Carolina? I have been there. Yeah, I guess. have been there. Uh, lots of people live in there that aren't Marines. Yeah, yeah. So I have too. I know that you've trained with the Marines down there. I know that I've trained with the Marines down there. And Paris Island, South Carolina, is where every Marine east of the Mississippi trains at. People don't yeah. live there. No. 
So I get yeah. it because she is an ex-Marine, but it's like billing the Undertaker from Death Valley, right? Death Valley, California is a real place. There's yeah. like 80 uh, people that live there. Undertaker's not one of them. No, but I mean, I, I'm okay with that. Uh, I mean, it feels like it fits more in the character ages of old, like the you know mid-90s. <laughs> You know, parts unknown style. Yeah, um, that's where I'm from. But I I know, <laughs> uh, but I, I I'm okay with it. I, that doesn't bother me so much the Paris Island thing, but uh, I'm just confused, and I'm wondering if I can almost guarantee I would bet all of your money that um, in the next four weeks she's going to do this almost every day. Um, every time there's a show, Lacey Evans will walk out. Until somebody comes up from behind her as she's walking, hits her, and that's how they start her storyline. Right. Well, if you remember, again, just like everything, this has been rehashed. Eva Marie, we did the same thing. Eva Marie would – her music would hit. She would be about to come out, and then the announcer would be like, well, Eva's not coming out tonight because she feels that the quality of wrestler in the ring is too low class for her. And then they did that for like two or three months. She had like two matches, and then she was out because she was an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Give me. Let's move, let's move yeah. on to the. All right. What were you going to say? I was going to say, let, let's get to the main event. Right. Here, here's the meat and potatoes. And, and honestly, I don't even want to take too long on the beginning of this. I want to cut to the end. I want your opinion on Kofi Kingston in the last week. Um, well, I, I, literally, last night was the first that I watched. So besides reading, I didn't watch Raw or SmackDown. I did not watch the shows going into it. So right, last well, night was, you know, I had no clue that Kingston was as over as he is right now. Okay, so here, um, here's the deal with Kingston. He goes into a one-hour-long Iron Man match, uh, gauntlet match, an Iron Man gauntlet match. <clears throat> he pins Daniel Bryan first on SmackDown, goes all the way to the end until eventually – that's how Randy Orton got the sixth place or the last place to come in. And he goes for about an hour and five minutes on SmackDown. You want phenomenal wrestling? Last week's SmackDown was amazing. So he's coming in with all this hype and everything. And a lot of people thought, well, you know what? He got his shine then. He'll probably get eliminated early. Nope. He's in at the start of the elimination chamber. And the dude goes another 45 minutes nonstop until eventually... Daniel Bryan gets the best of him, which we'll get to in a little bit, but I do think is the right call. I agree. I agree. First off, I'm so happy that Kingston's getting something besides the zany guy who finds a way to not get eliminated in the Royal Rumble. Correct. Um, He's always been a very solid wrestler, um, but what I saw last night was by far the best I've ever seen him. Um, The actual chamber match was, was good, until it was Kofi Kingston and Daniel Bryan. Right. I mean, it was, it took, you know, a, a B match. And in my opinion, made it an A plus for that last bit with just the two of them. I mean, near falls are every wrestling fan's favorite thing. I mean, when you are convinced that somebody's about to get pinned and they kick out of it, it is, it's such a rush and such a great feeling. And there were so, so many near falls. It didn't feel like they were overbooked where, you know, you have those matches where 
you know, John Cena will, you know, hit somebody with the AA five times in a row and they keep kicking out. It didn't feel like that. Right. It felt, it felt authentic. It felt like these two guys are fighting for everything. I mean, it was the last five minutes of that match were some of the best five minutes I've ever watched. I mean, I just loved it. I thought it was great. Yeah. I mean, I agree 110%. Uh, the, False finishes were fantastic. I actually believed, even though going into it, I kind of knew Daniel Bryan was going to win. You're not going to take the belt off of him, especially with the new gimmick he's got going on, which is incredible. By Love the, way. the gimmick. Love it's it. Phenomenal. Love it. He's reinvented himself when you thought, uh, how, how can you get any bigger than Daniel Bryan had gotten? I mean, the yes chance were taking over national news stories and... He goes and reinvents himself as basically himself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but getting back to the false finishes, it it made me believe that like wow, they might give Kofi the belt, and maybe this is the catalyst to break the New Day up at WrestleMania because the New Day have been, I, I would assume, just by my history, probably the longest running faction during the TV era in any wrestling promotion. Uh, yeah, and you remember when they started, we, you and I both looked at each other and were like, this, this isn't going to last. Well, they started off and as then, those gospel preachers. Yeah, and it was awful, and they just, they leaned into it, and they've kind of evolved, and they, they've been, I mean, the most stable, stable that they're in. All right, so, you know, they're just, well, I agree, I agree. Here, here's my question to you, though. If they do Kingston and Bryan at Mania, right? Yeah. Which I would love. Give those guys, give them in half an hour, give them a stipulation, no stipulation, doesn't matter, I'd love it. What do you think they do with Xavier Woods and Big E? I don't know. I mean, Xavier Woods, great wrestler, but uh, an amazing hype man. Great on the mic. Um, yeah, I, I, I can see him kind of edging out of more wrestling and just leaning into going on the mic. Okay. Um, Biggie, don't know. Don't know. What do you think? So part of me thinks that they may try to do something where Kofi gets the New Day as the backup, and then Daniel Bryan gets Rowan, and I don't know, maybe Harper comes back, and, they, and they're going to all be together as like these uh, hippie recycling tree-hugging lumberjacks. Um I don't know. If if the thing is, if the New Day as a faction, as three people, do not compete, and they do give Kofi a singles match, I have a feeling that they just throw Big E and Xavier Woods in like a twenty man battle royal. You know, that's what yeah. I think is going to happen. Well, I mean, that's what they do with kind of everybody. If you don't have a storyline going in, then boom, you're in the battle royal. Right. Right. Uh, which you know can be really good. Some years has been a fun match. Some years has been really felt like filler. Yeah. Like, I mean, what is it, three three years ago they started that? Yeah, and the thing is, there's only a rub on about two to three guys in that match. That's it. You know, the others are just all filler, like you said. Yeah. So, you know, that's right. it's funny because it actually brings us, you know, talking about what they're going to do with these guys. It kind of brings us to our, our Monday morning booker section. You know how, like, they have yeah. a Monday morning QB in football? 
Yeah. Well, after a pay per view or after a Raw or SmackDown, there's there's always those wrestling smarks that are uh, you know those Monday morning bookers. So we know Raw and SmackDown have been losing numbers tremendously. Raw actually went five shows in a row and they uh, attained their lowest viewer rating ever. For five straight weeks, they went downhill. So the question on today's Monday Morning Booker is, how would you write the ship? What would you do if you were in charge of the WWE to get these numbers back? All right. So if I was Vince McMahon, now I'm going to give you two, two scenarios. Okay. One, that is a complete pie-in-the-sky dream that would never actually happen, but I guarantee you would get numbers. And uh, the other one is, in reality, what, what I would do if I was this man. Right. So if I had, you know, full control of everything, because there's a lot of moving parts to my dream scenario, the way to get viewers back to WWE is to create cultural mass appeal. Okay. So two, two biggest forms of entertainment right now are sports and movies. Yes. And they have some built-in people that they could bring in. So this is how my scenario in no way would actually come to reality, but this is how uh, I would book it. Is I would have Brock uh, Lesnar and Ronda Rousey form an alliance, talk about how they're real fighters, and um, this is just pro wrestling and not actual fighting, and that's why they're champs, and that's why nobody can do anything to them. Mm-hmm. And build, build this up towards WrestleMania. Turn the entire locker room against them. Okay. Turn the fans against them because now they're insulting the entire industry. Um, at Mania, have Becky Lynch and Rollins go over. So have Rollins beat Brock, have uh, Lynch beat Rousey, and then have The Rock come out and cut a promo on Brock and on Ronda about how, you know, they talk this big game, but they can't, you know, hang with the pro wrestlers and, you know, yada, 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 all that stuff. And as Rock cutting his promo, just laying into the entire concept of people from UFC coming over and thinking they're hot crap, all of a sudden, some Irish music kicks on. McGregor comes out, (laughs) cuts a a promo on The Rock, because we all know just from his actual uh, press conferences that Conor McGregor would be amazing on the mic, and build to a Conor McGregor versus The Rock match at SummerSlam. Now you're bringing in the movie audience, you're bringing in the sport audience, and that is a guaranteed way to make it grow. Now, will McGregor actually go there? No. Is The Rock going to take time off for making million-dollar movies to go do this? Absolutely not. But in my dream scenario, that's what would happen. I like that uh, a lot. I like that a lot. That's, that's like if you had infinite money and infinite time and no one had any restrictions on – you know, their own licensing rights and, and movie deals and stuff like that. Exactly, exactly. In reality, um, I'm a firm believer in less is more. Um, you look at a lot of TV shows that kind of get bigger and bigger and bigger. You go back to the first season. The first season's so good because they care about the characters. Right now, we have too many characters. There's too much going on. There's too many wrestlers that if you have 60 wrestlers, you can't give them all a compelling storyline that you care about. Um, I look at, you know, uh, World War Three. Remember that old uh, yep. wrestling paper? Without a doubt from WCW. Max, it, it was a great concept. Yeah, let's get, you know, let's have, they have the Royal Rumble. Let's, 
let's put three rings next to each other and throw 60 wrestlers in there. Yeah. Well, then it's too much going on. You can't pay attention. So I feel like that's what's going on right now. There's too many wrestlers to give really compelling storylines to, and there's too much product. Two hours of, or uh, three hours of Raw, two hours of SmackDown, uh, 205, NXT, it's too much. I would cut Raw down to two hours. And everybody, as soon as I come, everybody's like, oh, you can't do that because you got to worry about uh, selling products. And that's how they make their money. But if you have a million people watching a show for three hours or you have five million people watching for two hours, you're going to be able to charge more for your commercial spot at right. two hours than you will at three hours. Um, and the other thing that I've always loved, and I think they should bring back a little bit more uh, too, is tournament-style booking. Um, in the lead-up on Raws and SmackDowns, make it a little bit more coherent about how you earn the spot to get to the main event. Well, yeah, um, nowadays it's completely random when they throw out there, hey, this is for the number one contendership. And you're like, well, well, uh, why? Yeah. Just give me an answer to why. Like, we, we love this because it's sports entertainment. But lately, it just feels more, they're leaning way more on the E on the WW than uh, anything else. I think they need to get back into, you know, obviously, everything's booked, everything's scripted, but make it so it's believable. Give us a reason to care about, you know, you could, I watched Elimination Chamber last night. I enjoyed it. I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown in two years. Make, give me a reason to care about watching Raw and SmackDown. Right. Don't just have some filler matches, and then, you know, the week before, go, okay, this is for the number one contender. Well, why? Why did those, you know, two people get the number one contender spot? Give me more reason to care about them. Yeah, I think I'm going to go much, much simpler with this, and I'm going to go with stop the, just the randomness of booking, make slow buildups to big pay-per-view events, and about, now you weren't watching, but about a month, month and a half ago, it was a big fan backlash <clears throat> about how they weren't listening to the fans. They're giving the same old crap over and over. So Vince comes out, Steph comes out, Triple H, Shane come out, and they go and talk about how we're going to listen. Things are going to be different. The next Monday night, they have this phenomenal opening where Rollins is like going crazy backstage, beating people up and going after, I don't remember exactly who it was, maybe Corbin and Drew McIntyre. And it was chaotic, and it was filmed differently. And I'm going, wow, the first 15 minutes is action-packed. It's not people speaking in the ring. If I was a brand-new wrestling fan, i turn this on. I want to watch it. I don't want to sit and watch someone talk for 20 minutes. Meanwhile, the people that talk for 20 minutes aren't even the best speakers either. Yeah, don't meanwhile, have the best it's Ronda Rousey talking for 20 minutes. Right, and I'm seeing action. I'm seeing things happen. I'm seeing what could be future feuds. And then the very next week, we go right back to the same stuff over and over. And for me as a lifelong fan, I get a glimpse of what could have been, and then I just get force-fed the same junk week after week after week. So if Vince and them are going to say they're going to listen to the fans, well, you know what? Let's, let's, let's do it. You don't have to listen to every fan, right? Because most of them are morons. Most of them are dudes that like live in their parents' basement and have you know 500,000 WWE figures lining the walls and stuff. And that's cool and all, but you know those fans' views are definitely skewed. Um, and I yeah. think what we're trying to do, you and I, is, is trying to give some ideas and thoughts from, from all different perspectives and from all different you know, walks of life. 
Yeah, and uh, and you don't have to book it to where I like it. A lot of times, things are booked that I do not like, and in time, I love it. Yeah. But this current, this current, um, I'm just gonna say, it, boring setup that they have with long promos followed by a couple filler matches followed by one good match followed by more promos and then another boring match and then a decent match to end the night that's almost every single raw lately yeah you know what Um, i want i want more backstage vignettes that are feeding into storylines you don't even have to give me the people in the ring that night you don't even have to give me them every two weeks but but Keep keep the fire burning just a little bit. Keep the candle lit, so I know that there's I mean, going to be some payoff. I remember going to I remember going to a Raw show back in uh, uh, early 2000s, maybe 2001, 2002, and we went to a Raw show one night, and then the next day we went to a house show. I saw so much more wrestling at the house show than at the Raw show because the Raw show was setting up these storylines and it was doing it in a way that. Not everything was in the ring. I get it. You're trying to give the people there that are at the show a, you know, it. everybody's in the ring. But, you know, look at, you know, the barbershop back in the day. Yep. Look at all those great Piper's things. Piper's Pit. They were not in the ring. They were, they were video packages, and you, it sold the storyline. You know, Raw and SmackDown are TV shows. You can go to see a live taping of it, but at the end of the day, it's a TV show. If you want to go see a wrestling show, go see the house shows that are the other five days a week. Yeah, I have said over and over that if the greatest thing the WWE Network could do would be even just one hard camera on a house show and televise them live. That's it. Yeah. I would sit and watch a house show, even though I know the face is always going to win for the most part, unless the heel's in a big storyline. I would always watch a house show over Raw or SmackDown. And I know you do the same thing. We fast forward through about 65% of Raw and or SmackDown, you know? So yeah. it's, I guess it's the nature of the beast. Um, so let, let's go to our next section, moving up the ranks. Okay, and we're going yeah. to discuss right our top three worst and our top three best gimmick matches because it's very apropos. We had the Elimination, Elimination Chamber, sure. which is nothing more than an enormous gimmick match. So I don't want to get too much into you know all these, but I definitely want to – uh, share them, and obviously everyone's list will be different. Some people will love what we say. Some people will hate what we say. Some will agree. Some will not. But you know, they're our list. Oh, I, I guarantee you, my number one on worst match gimmicks is going to make a lot of people mad. Okay, so here's the uh, deal. We're gonna let's let's go like this. Um, well, let's go our three worst gimmicks first, right? And l- l- we'll just go back and forth. So, all right, you can go first. Feel free, and and let us know what your top is. This going to be your top, or are you going random order? No, I'm going from my third worst to the absolute worst. The okay. absolute worst I'll save for last. Okay, fine. So here is Smirk's third worst gimmick match ever. All right. TLC 2014, we had the lovely Steel Stairs match. <laughs> I remember. Between Big Show and Eric Rowan. I remember it. Why? Like, there's nothing to be done with that. Like, okay, the stairs are cool for when somebody gets, you know, whipped into them. That's it. How do you build a match around that? I didn't understand it then. Looking back on it, I understand it less. Yeah, well, the pay-per-view is not called table, ladders, and stairs, right? So it just doesn't fit. No, no. So what's your third? Okay, so my third is 
this is going back a ways. I mentioned Big Boss Man before. This is Big Boss Man versus the head man himself, Al Snow, in the Kennel from Hell match where, uh-huh. <laughs> where they, they decided to take a spin on Hell in a Cell. They put Big Boss Man and Al Snow, who probably could have had a great Hell in a Cell match, but they put them in there with uh, the Big Boss Man's the, rabid dogs. And the dogs were, were, su- were supposed to attack Al Snow and destroy him. Um, the dogs didn't do that, Smirks. The, the dogs kind of just uh, defecated, urinated everywhere, and, and, and tried to mate with each other. Dude, it was... I could go back and watch it over and over. Awful match gimmick, but just entertaining because of how they're trying to sell these vicious, aggressive dogs. And it's just like you're having a match at your friend's house and their dog's walking around. The announcers like, were the best part of that match. Could not be in, like the dogs could care less what was going on. It made me think of back when I was uh, when I was a young buck, uh, not one of the young bucks. Oh, you know, okay, young, okay. I thought this was going to turn myself. into a super kick party. My bad. No, no, no. Uh, I had a wrestler. We did some backyard wrestling, my friend and I, and we're supposed to be watching his two-year-old little brother. And we videotaped it, and him and I are throwing each other through tables, doing uh, swanton bombs on each other, and his two-year-old brother's just walking around in the background, not paying attention to us at all, could care less at what we were doing. And that was the exact same match as the Kennel from Hell match. (laughs) But with right. the, with the, the, with a human child instead of some with a rabid human child dogs. That we were supposed to be watching and caring for, but meanwhile we were throwing each other through tables. It's fantastic. All right, yeah. give give me your second worst gimmick match ever. Uh, I already talked about it, but World War Three. Okay. Uh, I think you know they they wanted to do something big, and I think they went too big with it. They certainly went big with it. What about you, number two? <laughs> my, my number two is something you can find on the WWE Network now. It was called the King of the Road Match. I don't know. This is probably before your time. But in 1995, WCW Uncensored, they had Dustin Rhodes and Blacktop Bully, right, who was Smash in Demolition uh, in the WWE later, or WWF. And they faced off against each other in the back of a moving 18-wheel tractor trailer. I remember it. And and the purpose of this match was to see whoever rung the bell at the other person's end of the tractor trailer. But the problem was the tractor trailer was actually moving. And so all they did was like push each other and hit each other with hay bales until finally somebody, and I can't remember who, rung the bell and we declared a winner of the King of the Road match. Never to be duplicated again, thankfully. Thank God for that. All right, so, so uh, give me your worst, because my worst is one I don't think many people are going to remember. Um, but go ahead. What is what is your worst gimmick match ever? All right, now this is going to make a lot of people mad, uh, because it is a gimmick match that's been going for years, still going, and I hate it. I hate almost every single one, um, except for the first one, which is, Hell in a cell. <laughs> okay. And now this, okay. Is, this is where this is where I'm gonna make people mad, but it's basically that if you went to a steakhouse and you their first time eating there, got this beautiful filet mignon, it was delicious, and then every time you went back to it, they're like, nah, you can't have that filet mignon here, have a salad. You'd hate that place. And that's what hell in a cell is to me. It is there's nothing exciting about it anymore. That match with Undertaker or Mick Foley was so amazing that they should not have turned that into a gimmick pay-per-view. It's 
taken a cage match, which the best part of any cage match right. is when somebody climbs up to the top and goes back in, whether it's with, you know, just a leg drop, an elbow, you know, like you think about Snooka's elbow, or even a couple years ago, probably like five, six years ago, there was a cage match on Raw, and Cody Rhodes did this amazing um, uh, flip off of it. Yep. It, just great matches are done in cage matches. You put a top on, so now that can't be done anymore. Uh, and then you got Elimination Chamber, which is Hell in a Cell with a better gimmick. Right. I just, I don't love Hell in a Cell. And if we didn't have that, it would have never led to a Kennel from Hell match. Which was phenomenal and earned a place <laughs> on my list. Um, that is true. Hey, in, in the issue of clear transparency for our fans out there, I do want to let people know that the Undertaker Mankind was not the first Hell in a Cell match. It was the first popularized Hell in a Cell match. Uh, if you remember, before that, we had Shawn Michaels beating The Undertaker. Then we had uh. then we had a tag match before that, which literally took... So that was the first one on pay-per-view. Then we had a tag match. Uh, the Undertaker and Stone Cold defeated Mankind and Kane. And that was the week before the actual Hell in a Cell. And they actually used that as... Um, kind of like a preview event to see how it was going to be. And Mankind and Undertaker thought they were going to go on the script almost like they did during that match. And then obviously, you know, Mankind almost dies twice. Yeah. Um, and things go to hell in a cell, literally. Yeah. So just, just uh, a, you know, a little background on that is all. You're, you're, you're a much better historian than I am. Well, it's just I've been, in, I've been around a little bit longer. That's, that's all. That is all. Yeah, you're, you're old. You know, we get it. A little bit, a little bit. So, I'm not, I'm not taking the same bumps as I did 20 years ago. You know. So, what is your <laughs> worst match gimmick? All right, this is this is not only the worst match gimmick. Uh, this is something that completely exemplified the Attitude Era and them willing to try anything. This might be worse than May Young giving birth to a latex hand. I don't know why you said worse. Like, everything's worse than that. That was the best moment of TV I've ever seen in my life. Fair enough. Uh, so this is 1999. Now, Davey Boy Smith, you remember him from the British Bulldogs, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he comes back well past his prime, right? Roided out of his mind still. And he returns and has a little brief feud with The Rock. Now, at that time, Rock was part of the Rock and Sock connection with Mankind, right? Yeah. So on an episode of Raw, now this took place on Raw, it's not a pay-per-view, okay? And you can probably find it, I, I can't remember what month, but if you look hard enough, you can find it, YouTube it or whatnot. An episode of Raw, uh, the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, is challenged to basically a dog poo match, they're calling it. And I, I, I remember this. Mankind brings a full tray of quote-unquote dog poo to the ring, and the winner of the match had to drive their opponent's head or body into this tray of dog poo. Um, obviously, you knew The Rock was not going through it, and Davy Boy Smith goes through, and funny enough... Did he, did he get rock-bottomed into it? Uh, I believe so. I believe. Yeah, it was in the middle of the ring, and Mankind set it up. And, uh, you know, as you can tell in the solemnness of my voice, just a, a very, very low point for pro wrestling. This is what you don't want people to see when you tell them, yeah, I watch pro wrestling. 
They're like, oh, yeah. when, when people get slammed into piles of dog crap, and you're like, no, 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 dude, like, you know, awesome spots through tables and stuff like that. They're like, no, nah, I believe a woman gave birth to a hand by an enormous power lifter. Um, yeah, when you put it that way, I guess maybe you don't want to talk about it at some times. Yeah. So, hey, those are our, our well, top three worst Gimmick matches, agree, disagree. You know what you can tell us? Where you can tell us? You can tell us on our Twitter account. And it's squashmatch underscore pod. So it's at squashmatch underscore pod. Feel free to send us DMs or let us know what your top three matches are or if you agree or disagree with our list. Now, now, real quickly, let's go to our top three best gimmick matches. Uh, all right. These, these don't need nearly as much explanation, I don't no, think, because we're no. probably in agreement with a lot. I'm gonna. Uh, oh, I, I would like to do this if you don't mind. I would like to give you my three right off the bat. Okay. And then I would like you to do your three, and then we'll do a little comparison at the end. Okay. All right. Here are my three best gimmick matches of all time: Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble, Royal Rumble. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing better than the Royal Rumble. It's the greatest pay-per-view of the entire year. It's my WrestleMania. If you 100%, tell me... 100%. If you tell me the Royal Rumble is not the best pay-per-view, you're an idiot. You don't know professional wrestling. It is, it is so good. Now, real quick, my three best. Uh, my third, Money in the Bank. Second, Street Fight. And third, Royal Rumble. Okay. Uh, Royal Rumble, without a doubt, hands is down the greatest. Hands down. I mean, they took the concept of Battle Royal, which can get really clunky when you have all those guys in the ring. It starts off kind of boring because you don't know what's going on. And they stretched it into a way to tell a story over an hour that is entertaining. You have no clue who's coming. Um, it is the most uh, exciting pay-per-view to watch because you don't know when that buzzer hits, who is coming out. Yeah, they streamlined it into a thing of beauty. And what's better, you and I have both been uh, to Royal Rumbles before, and what's better than sitting there counting down from 10 with 35,000, 40,000 people uh, at the Rumble and not knowing who's going to be next and, and being surprised by someone that you never thought you would see again wrestle live? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, uh, it, it's a great feeling. And, like, it's one of the only places that somebody who, like, look at uh, the year before we went. You and I went to the infamous one in Philadelphia where Roman Reigns won. Right. And uh, we made our voices known. But the year before that, you know, you have Rey Mysterio, a babyface, always been a babyface. What other pay-per-view can he get booed just by entering instead of somebody else? Yes. Like, it, it, it's such a, you, you have no clue, you expect things. Sometimes they show you, like, they throw you swerves that are good. Sometimes they don't. But it's always exciting and always interesting. Um, my other ones, Money in the Bank, I love. Uh, it would have been TLC, but it's 2019. Why do we even have chair matches anymore? You yeah. can't do anything with them. Yeah, you can only hit so, them in the back. And the Money in the Bank is the gift that keeps on giving. It is. Because you look at, like, 2016 Ambrose winning or... Seth Rollins cashing in uh, at WrestleMania 31 after holding the Money in the Bank for so long. My favorite it, it, WrestleMania main event ever. Oh yeah, it was it was great. It was exciting. 
and the Money in the Bank allows that. Uh, with Street Fight, the only reason I chose that one is because I don't know the difference between that, a false count anywhere match, a no DQ match, extreme rules match, no holds barred match, or Street Fight. I don't know the difference. All I know is that the uh, Triple H Cactus Jack one from Royal Rumble 2000 was yes. a Street Fight, and that's one of my favorite matches of all time. <clears throat> Phenomenal. Ton of, ton of blood, crimson masks everywhere. That was a very, very good match. Yeah. All right. Uh, uh, se- hey, second to last topic here. All right. We've got our segment on who I hated this week. This is where Smirks and I debate who we hate in the WWE, in the world of professional wrestling, in the indie scene, whatever. Uh, you want to take the first one or you want me to? I'll, I'll take the first one. I'll okay. take the first one. Uh, Yours is very, I, very topical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Corey Graves. I mean, go outside the actual like universe and he sounds like a scumbag. Yeah, it seems uh, like it. Not only did he most likely cheat on his wife, but then told her that uh, she's going to get sued online. Instead of having a conversation with her, posted that online, and then goes on commentary yesterday and is, like, fawning over the women in the match. Right, which, to be fair, is his announcer character. That is his announcer character. Uh, But But it just felt weird. Oh, the timing of it. The timing of it was bad. It was bad. So, yeah, Corey Graves, not a fan of him. I, I get it. You know, he has one eye on his wife, one eye on the other wife. That's not his fault. He's mm-hmm. got some eye problems. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, it just uh, it felt weird, man. It felt weird. I do not, I do not like him really right now. And uh, he's the one I hate this week. What about you? Uh, so I went completely different. You went kind of breaking kayfabe. I went with kayfabe. Uh, I hate the entire WWE roster. Every one of them. All of them. Why? I, I Why? hate them for not helping Braun Strowman last night after his three-on-one assault. Because I feel <laughs> like this is going to lead to Braun Strowman versus all three of those guys. Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, um, and Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Because Vince loves the Giants, and Vince gave him a freaking child last year to win the belts. To win the tag belts. So how do we top that, Vince? Let's have Braun Strowman defeat three of our biggest dudes. That's awesome, Vince. You don't see Strowman going in the Battle Royal? No. He did, didn't he do that? I think like, yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. No. I can't remember. The, the Battle Royals all blend together. I, I need somebody fresh, somebody new coming out. You know who I need helping him? You know who should have came out last night? Bray Wyatt. That would have been great. That's who should have come out and helped Braun Strowman. But instead of giving me an enormous pop, even a cheap pop from bringing a guy back that hasn't been wrestling for a while on TV, he's been on the house shows, obviously, we know, they gave me three guys beating down the monster amongst men only to let Braun probably come back at Fastlane or WrestleMania and beat three of those guys in a handicap match. So that's who I hate this week, the entire WWE roster. Uh, I can completely see where you're coming from on that. Uh, real quick, you want to give a shout-out to our sponsor? Yeah, let's do that. <clears throat> so our sponsor, Train on Main. Uh, you not in shape? Are you weak? Do what Hulk Hogan would do, minus the steroids, of course, smirks. Visit Train on Main <laughs> at 427 Main Street, Stroudsburg, PA, and you could become the next monster amongst men. As for Dan, he's the owner, the head trainer there, and he will literally transform your physique from a basement living smark to an ultimate 
Warrior. Follow them on Instagram. They're at train underscore on underscore main. You can find them on the internet at www.train-on-main.com and see what they're all about. So if you're in the Northeast area and you as well as I know that there are a lot of indie wrestling promotions out here. There are a lot of indie wrestling schools where they teach you to wrestle, but they're not necessarily giving you the skills to complete your physique and be the next gotta, Bobby Lashley. You got to look the part. You got to look the part, not just be able to do the part, but you got to look it. Right. That's so visit visit our man Dan over at Train on Main at 427 Main Street in Stroudsburg and turn yourself from um uh who should who should we say? What uh Ellsworth. Turn yourself from an Ellsworth to a Lashley. There we go. Without the use of performance enhancing substances that they were sued for in the mid eighties. <laughs> yeah, they don't do that at all anymore. No, so, of course not. At, to quote one of my favorite heckles I've ever heard when we were at Royal Rumble. Yep. Uh the gentleman next to us yelled it out during the women's match. Good work, ladies. Now wrap it up. And that's going to take us to the end. That's always going to be our last segment. And let's just let the people know that that happened about 15 seconds into a championship women's match. It was, I almost had tears coming out my eyes. I was laughing so hard. Um, I don't think I've laughed that hard at a live event ever. Uh, now, the uh, next week we're going to talk about, uh, obviously, what happened in the week, any big things, as well as our three most underrated matches and three most overrated matches. Yeah, that, that should be good because, you know, the, the, I, I was thinking about that already, and the overrated matches are easy to come by, right? Look up some five-star matches, see which ones didn't make the grade. But think of how many... SmackDown, Raw, underrated matches there are. Pre-show card, underrated matches. There's so many to choose from. Yeah, yeah, and I'll be honest. We're probably going to have some disagreements on the overrated matches. I already know one of mine, and uh, it, some people are going to disagree with me on it. Yeah, well, I've got my number one underrated match. Was I was actually there for live, and it, and it holds... A dear place in my heart because it is probably the best promo a wrestler has ever cut, and it was towards the end of a company's reign, and not many. Well, don't give too much away. Don't give too much away. No, we got to get people to listen in next week. Okay, so look. Also, follow us on Twitter at squashmatch underscore pod. If you can't spell, I'll do it for you. It's S Q U A. S-H-M-A-T-C-H underscore pod. You can give us any of your insights, thoughts, opinions, um, anything you'd want us to talk about next week. Uh, Smirks, you got anything you want to leave the people with? No, just uh, thanks for listening and make sure you follow us on Twitter and uh, we'll see you next week. Um, Since it's the end of the pod, am I allowed to finish my outro? No, we're squash match, man. Come on. All right. You're not DX. See you next week on Squash Match.